and Happy New Year from NSTA, the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, Executive Director, and here today with Mike Martucci. Mike, as you know, is State Senator, 42nd District in New York State. He's the former owner of Quality Bus Service. And Mike spoke at our 2022 NSTA annual meeting and convention. So, Mike, Happy New Year. Welcome to NSTA, the bus stop. What a great way to start 2023. Indeed, that is true. Good good to speak to you as always, uh, Kurt. And a Happy New Year to you and to uh, the whole family at NSTA. Yeah. We are looking forward to 2023. And, and one of the things that with respect to the podcast that I like doing is finding out people's you know, backgrounds. And you certainly have a unique journey being elected to the state Senate in New York State, but you also have a, a background in yellow bus. I'm not sure everyone knows that, but I am sure that our listeners would want to you know, hear about how you got your start in student transportation. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, um, as you said before, I was elected here in the state Senate in New York. I come from this yellow school bus industry. Uh, you know, for me, it was a it was a journey in entrepreneurship. I uh, I graduated college back in 2007, my undergraduate degree, 2008. I got uh, my MBA from Marist College, which is located in Poughkeepsie, New York. And uh, I'm, I'm sure so many of, of your members can recall back in 2008, it was a pretty tough job market, difficult to find mm. uh, work. So uh, I uh, ended up uh, somewhere that I sort of never would have imagined if you asked me when I was going to college. Uh, I ended up working uh, briefly for a school bus dealership right in New York State and uh, started there in, in a couple of different roles and eventually uh, pretty quickly worked my way uh, into uh, working as a school bus salesman selling Thomas School Buses was my very first sort of introduction to the school bus industry. And there I got to meet some folks in the industry, both on the private uh, and the public side of the uh, of the yellow school bus business, and, and pretty quickly saw an opportunity to break away and uh, start a school bus company of my own. Uh, so with a, with a partner, I had uh, gone out and began Quality Bus Service, which was a school bus business that operated uh, you know, right here in the state of New York, the Hudson Valley region, which is about uh, 60 miles north of New York City. And uh, the company started with one school bus. I drove that bus, in fact. Um, and after, after just a really short period of time, uh, you know, the company grew from one bus to two. Uh, my grandma was my first employee. She was uh, retired <laughs> and uh, came in. And uh, was like any like any grandmother would uh, came to help me out and was uh, was the very first employee of that business. And over time, the school bus company grew uh, from those two buses to a company of about 350 total buses. Wow. What a what a great story. And I love I love that uh, your grandmother, you know, helped you get on your feet. And obviously, she's very proud of what you accomplished. And a great, great, great story, Mike. Yeah. Then, pretty you exciting know, for sure. Yeah. Then. Interestingly enough, you, uh, I guess, entered the political fray. Some people say they've been bitten with the political bug. So why don't you tell the listeners about how that all happened? Sure. So um, much like I ended up in the school bus business by accident, I uh, I ended up in, in politics by accident, I guess I would say. In uh, in 2018, I had the opportunity to sell Quality Bus Service, and I sold Quality Bus to the National Express uh, Corporation, which I'm sure um, not only is a member of NSTA, but uh, certainly um, all of your members are familiar with National Express. So Quality Bus uh, joined the National Express group of companies, 
and created a unique opportunity for me where, um, you know, I sort of had some new options in my life. And uh, although I did spend a little time with National Express and enjoyed working with them very much, uh, politics was something I always had an interest in. Uh, In fact, for a brief period of time, uh, for a two-year period, I served as the president of the New York Association, uh, the New York School Bus Contractors Association, which is the uh, you know the, the, the state uh, contractors group here in New York State. And during that time, had an opportunity to work with state legislators. Uh, at the time, my state senator uh, here in my district, as well as the governor and others on state legislative initiatives, our group was working on. And uh, really, those those things all combined sort of created an interest for me. And then again, you know, the unique opportunity of selling the business allowed me to, uh, for the first time, run for office. Yeah, and I'm sure that um, w- you know was a bit of an eye-opening experience. I'm going to go a little bit off script here, Mike, and and say what you know w- when you ran in your first election. Can you tell us one thing that maybe you know stood out in terms of being on the campaign trail? Well, Kurt, it's it's, it's a great question. I would tell you, you know, a, a lot of things stick out in my mind, but certainly, you know, first and foremost, one of the things that motivated me to run for office, you know, somebody who ran a business in this state, who understands firsthand how difficult it is to create jobs, how difficult it can be to do business. Um, school bus contractors know better than anyone else how difficult it can be to do business with government, in fact. Um, and, you know, one of the things that stick, stuck out to me was when I talked to small business owners, not just in the school bus space, uh, but really in, in all different arenas, just how difficult it is to run a business. And, and I really felt like somebody who could bring that firsthand experience with me into the Senate chamber, focusing on ways to make it easier for our small business owners throughout New York State. And in fact, when I was when I was first elected to the Senate, I was named the ranking member of the Small Business Economic Development and Commerce Committee, uh, which was a place where I could put those skills, uh, I think, to, to particularly good use. Yeah, it's interesting you 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 mentioned that because when I was uh, with NFIB, we always used to say uh, that we wanted to work with folks who were used to signing the front of a paycheck instead of just the back of one. So that kind of uh, uh, articulates the you know the concept there uh, for sure. I, I I think one area where student transportation intersects with politics and government is the driver shortage. So you have a unique view of this, both from, you know, operator side and then also from the political side. So can you take a minute and talk about the impact of driver shortage and the challenges that we're facing in the industry? So, Kurt, you know, I'm a real believer that uh, fate sometimes puts the right people in the right seats at the right time. And, uh, you know, while those of us who come from the industry know that, driver shortage has been going on for a very long time. You know, the COVID the pandemic really sort of pushed the issue over the cliff, so to speak, and put uh, it on, on the really on the front plate of every legislator, not only here in the state of New York, but across this country. Because, you know, prior to COVID, operators were always figuring out a way to make it happen, whether it was robust recruiting programs, enhanced training programs, making sure that there was always a sufficient stock of drivers available, even if that was a costly and lengthy process. Operators were doing that everywhere. And legislators sort of never saw the problem firsthand. And it wasn't until really the restart of school after the pandemic, when schools returned fully to uh, in-person session, when there were stories, literally front page news stories in communities across the state of New York and across our nation talking about school buses not arriving in the morning to pick up kids. 
And uh, so I would tell you, I found myself in a very unique position as sort of the only school bus person in our state legislature. Um, and, and I would venture a guess, probably one of the only people with uh, school bus experience in, in any of our state's legislatures, where mm-hmm. I was receiving phone calls and visits from my legislators, my colleagues, my legislative colleagues, who were saying to me, Mike, what do we do with this? You know, my office got a thousand phone calls this week about school buses not coming. What needs to happen to fix the problem? So I just think I found myself in a unique position to help, uh, given the fact it sort of became a kitchen table issue for every elected official immediately. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, and I think in terms of combating the driver shortage, it's, it's my personal belief that both the industry and policymakers have to become more innovative in crafting solutions. So, for example, New York State recently implemented a third-party testing pilot program. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about this new program? Absolutely. You know, this is one of one of my proudest accomplishments is, uh, you know, in my time in the Senate uh, was working with uh, some of the leadership here in the state of New York, uh, as well as my colleagues, uh, not only from NSTA, but also the state association. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about members of yours like Nick Vallone and Corey Muirhead, uh, Tommy Smith and others mm-hmm. uh, who uh, I consider friends and colleagues from the school bus business who were able to really you know, come forward in a moment's notice and uh, help me feature an issue that they had been talking about for years, which was the ability to increase the state's testing uh, ability. You know, in New York, there were sometimes 10, 15 week wait periods to have a driver tested for a commercial road test. If a driver wasn't successful in completing that test on his or her first shot, sometimes there was another five, six or more week long period before a test could be readministered by the state. And we all know that keeping folks engaged during the hiring process can be extremely difficult. There's a lot of fallout with new drivers. So the idea of third party testing allowing qualified operators to be able to test and issue commercial licenses uh, to drivers was really just a way to increase that capacity. So I was glad to be part of a team that facilitated conversations at the highest levels between the governor's office and also the Department of Motor Vehicle to make that happen. And frankly, we got it done in record time. You know, in less than a year from when we started talking mm-hmm. about the issue, we had our first third-party tests issued. Um, So I think that was just a real practical example of the industry stepping up with their expertise and willingness to cooperate um, and getting government on the same page and frankly, moving quickly to help solve a problem. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, moving quickly. You know, one area I think that tends to get overlooked is the fact that, you know, all of these issues that we deal with as an industry have a ripple effect on other areas. So, to the extent that the third party testing you know was implemented that had to be a big help in terms of streamlining the CDL process and getting more you know drivers through the system uh you know qualified trained and then licensed in New York state so i'm sure that was the case right Curry absolutely was the case. You know, in fact, when we began really gaining traction for this third-party testing, certainly my priority was making sure that we were phasing it in for school bus drivers first. And not only did that mm-hmm. happen, but what we immediately saw were other first other state agencies, agencies like uh, the DOT, for example, that have a need to train uh, and test uh, folks to drive plow trucks. You know, in the Northeast here, we have difficult winters. Right. You know. We had state agencies that immediately wanted to participate in the program because they themselves were having difficulty licensing a sufficient number of qualified drivers. We had utility companies that 
consistently struggle to make sure that they have CDL drivers available uh, for uh, critical issues like storm response. So immediately, once we were able to successfully complete this, others followed. And I see this, uh, the benefits of this program going well beyond school buses. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to pivot a little bit to another issue that is really become a real front burner issue within the industry, and that's electric school buses. So these are not only a focal point, you know, in New York State, but really a focal point nationwide. But I believe that New York State has some aggressive timelines with respect to implementation of uh, electric school buses. Um, So can you talk about New York's transition plans? And personally, you know, what's your viewpoint of these challenges with the transition over to electric school bus fleet? Well, Kurt, you know, uh, I'll start by saying certainly um, I do have my concerns with respect to the transition to electric school buses. You know, here in New York, just this past year in the state budget, the 2022 state budget, Governor Kathy Hochul had recommended an electric school bus mandate that would begin in 2027. So it was one of um, the nation's most aggressive plans, uh, whereby only electric buses would be able to be sold in the state starting in 2027. I was proud to take the lead in an effort to help kick out that requirement uh, because clearly there are a couple things that are not in place to accommodate such a um, such a such a mandate so quickly you know we talk about an infrastructure that does not exist not only at uh, the bus uh, facility, the bus garage locations, the terminal locations, uh, but also uh, on a wider level with respect to the grid, uh, not being able to support vehicles like this. We also look at some other concerns with respect to cost. Uh, You know, so many of our school bus contractors have negotiated uh, contracts with various municipalities that don't um, have escalators or accommodation clauses that would allow for electric vehicles, wouldn't allow contractors to pass along the the additional costs associated with uh, purchasing and operating these vehicles. So these are all things that need to be hashed out before any such mandate can come in place. So in the final adopted agreement, I was able to successfully negotiate a mandate uh, that would begin in 2035. Now, while that is still pretty aggressive, it certainly is better than 2027 and gives us some more Mm -hmm. time to address the issues that I just told you about. Uh, Because at the end of the day, here's the reality. What can't happen is the state of New York or any state in this country cannot take this mandate and place it on the backs of our school bus operators and tell them that they have to pay. What needs to happen is governments need to be working cooperatively with companies, provide the support, uh, not only financial support, but also the necessary training to make sure that they've got the resources they need so that this program is a success and that at the end of the day, there are no service interruptions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other piece of the equation, I think, too, is, is the utility engagement. So that has to be a, a piece of the puzzle, and to the extent it's necessary, uh, government has to, you know, require that the utilities step up to plate and provide whatever they need to provide in a certain area to make this possible. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely correct. I mean, you know, here in the state of New York, we have a public service commission. Uh, most states have a similar sort of regulatory body that oversees utilities. And you're right, those those various regulators have a very big role in ensuring the success of this program. And um, 
I would tell, I would tell you that it's going to be a partnership all the way around. And uh, there are a lot of other pieces to put in play, uh, you know, before we can spike the football on the end zone and say, Hey, we've got electric buses and they're, and they're coming Uh next year. Right. So, so I would tell you that though, you know, really getting in the weeds on this issue has been one of my big focuses to make sure that our contractors are not only protected, but make sure that the rollout of this program is successful because this is a tremendous shift to the industry in a very significant way. And it's something that's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to happen without cooperation. Nope. Very well said, Mike. Um, And a lot of great information overall um, on this podcast. Before we run, I do want to, you know, talk about, you know, how we can get our folks uh, more involved, you know, in the process. So we know that uh, private school transportation is going to face challenges and obstacles. What advice can you give our members so they can build or continue to build relationships with elected officials? So, Kurt, you know, the first thing I would tell your, your members to do is stay involved, not only in NSCA, uh, you have a tremendous presence at the federal level. You are the voice of the yellow school bus in Washington, D.C., and frankly, beyond Washington, D.C. So the first and most important thing you can do is make sure you stay involved in this organization uh, because we hear your voice. Um, on the same accord, if you have a state association that you can join and be a part of, that's equally as important uh, because what's happening on the Hill in Washington, D.C., and what's happening in whatever uh, state house in the state in which you live and work and operate your business uh, have a huge impact on what's happening to you every day. So the first is use those trade associations and organizations to be your voice in the legislature. You absolutely need to have one. Um, it's, it's critical to your business success, uh, both short term and long term. Secondly, what I would recommend is that in the places uh, where you operate, please reach out to your elected officials and invite them to come see your operations. Uh, you know, so many of my colleagues have never set foot before in a school bus operation. They've never sort of seen the backside or have been part of, uh, you know, seeing what it's like to, uh, mm-hmm. to work or be in a school bus operation. So invite them to maybe one of your staff meetings, one of your safety meetings. Uh, you know, politicians love to stand in front of people, introduce themselves, <laughs> talk for a few minutes. <laughs> give, give them that opportunity to introduce themselves to your staff, because I think that that's all about important relationship building that you'll be able to cash in at a later point um, in the event that you need these folks or you need their ears. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And one thing that we found is, you know, during the pandemic, um, our, you know, our level of engagement with uh, policymakers, both elected and unelected, you know, ratcheted up a fair amount as it, it did across the board in a lot of different industries. But one thing that we had to take a lot of time and do was educate policymakers you know, about how operations really occurred rather than from a theoretical, you know, standpoint, this is actually how it was done. So your point is so well taken about inviting policymakers and elected officials to, you know, your bus depot so they can take a firsthand look and understand the concept of how operations work. So I think that's, that's great, great advice. Yeah, certainly. So like I said, I, uh, it, it's always great to be with you here, Kurt, and, and join you and, and your team. And I look forward to a successful 2023 together. Uh, you know, certainly there's a, a lot of work left to do and some dynamic years ahead for the school bus industry. So those relationships are going to be super critical and super important as we move through this time of great transition. Yeah, for sure. Now, in, in, in closing, Mike, if folks want to get in touch with you because you're just 
have such a wealth of knowledge in, in this area of politics and, and operations, uh, you know, where can they reach you? So easiest way to find me is if you Google Senator Mike Martucci, you'll find all my official contact information there. Please email me, call my office, reach out anytime. Uh, certainly, I'm always here to be a resource to you and to your members, uh, because like you and your members, I bleed yellow. And uh, it's, it's sort of my, my first industry and my first love. And uh, I always hope to be able to be a strong voice for the yellow school bus, uh, you know, whether or not I'm officially in the business or not. Absolutely. Once again, our guest at NSTA, the bus stop, Mike Martucci, he is state senator, 42nd district in New York State, former owner of Quality Bus Service. And Mike also spoke at our 2022 NSTA annual meeting in convention in Niagara Falls. Mike, once again, happy new year. So glad you could take a few minutes out of your busy schedule to join us on the podcast. And we'll th see how things transpire down the line. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, circle back and, and get you on a couple more episodes in 2023. Sounds good. Well, I look forward to connecting with you again soon.